Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. When you experience trouble or difficulty or hardship or pain in your life, do you go to Jesus Christ and pour out your heart to him? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ understands our pain and our hurt and our grief and is able to comfort us in our times of need like no one else. No matter what has happened in our lives, even now, Jesus will bring life and hope and blessing if we will only come to him and devote our lives to him. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 11 and continue our study of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Friday morning here in Texas. Hopefully y'all are loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus. Just the giving, giving your life to Jesus Christ more and more and more and more. As we say every week, there's, there's nothing in our lives that's going to benefit us more than spending time with Jesus. All right, today we're continuing in John chapter 11. Today we're going to do, Lord willing, verses 28 to 37. If you recall, um, in the first 27 verses, Jesus is notified that Lazarus is sick. He intentionally stays where he is, allows him to die. Um, and, you know, his, his disciples don't understand what he means. He uses a, a metaphor saying he's asleep. And the disciples say, well, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Then Jesus tells them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And he makes this very heavy statement. And for your sake, I'm glad so that, you know, so that they might truly grow in their faith and that their, their faith would be refined. He said, so that you may believe. Um, and then Martha comes to him and says to him, Lord, you know, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And we talked about how I just, how just the sincerity of Martha really sharing the truth of her heart is really a, a beautiful, beautiful quality for us all to emulate. She's very candid. Um, and then Jesus makes the, the overwhelming statement because Martha responds to that. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, I know, Lord, in the next life, he'll rise again at the resurrection of the last day. She has no concept at all that, that he could be raised from the dead now. Um, uh, there was this, there's a clear belief that Jesus could heal the sick, but he didn't have the power to heal death. And so she tells him, yeah, I know he'll raise again, like we'll all see each other in heaven. And, uh, and then Jesus makes the profound declaration in verse 25 and 26. When she says this to her, to him, Jesus said to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And we, we talked about that if you just step back for a moment, and try to picture yourself being there and, and hearing Jesus say these words. These words are, there's not, there's not words to explain these words. Words cannot explain what Jesus just said right here. Um, you want to get a deeper and deeper, and I want to get a deeper and deeper understanding of who we're dealing with here. We're dealing with Almighty God in Jesus Christ. Okay, Jesus is God right? God, the son, 
We have a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all God, three separate beings. They all have the nature of God, right? Um, the nature of God, meaning they're all all-powerful, they're all all-knowing, um, and they're all everywhere, omnipresent. Um, so when she says, when he says your brother will rise again, and she says, yeah, I know, you know, he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. You know, that would be like us losing a loved one. And, you know, we encourage one another by saying, you know, we'll see them again when we're all in heaven together. And that's what she's saying. And then Jesus looks at her and says, yes, I will certainly raise him up in the last day and you'll see him in heaven. But I'm more than that. I'm not just the one that's going to provide the resurrection. I am the resurrection. And like I said, if you, if you just, if you were a fly on the wall, so to speak, if you were there and you just heard Jesus, you would say, what, 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 what did he just say to that lady? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he looks at her and says, do you believe this? And naturally in verse 27, where we left off, she says, yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who was to come into the world. And, and we spoke about that. That needs to be the belief. That needs to be the belief for every one of us in the world today. All 8 billion people, whether you're Jewish or Gentile, and a Gentile is someone who's not Jewish. There's only The Bible only has two kinds of people. Those who are born Jewish and those who are not. Um, and those who are not, we are called Gentiles. All of us need Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. All of us need Jesus Christ to go to heaven. Yes, Jesus is the only way. They're the words of his own mouth, right? John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's unambiguous, right? It's not confusing. It's not nebulous. So again, just to hear Jesus say these words, I am the resurrection, right, Corinne? Not just going to bring resurrection. Not only am I just the vehicle of resurrection, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Me. I mean, again, as C.S. Lewis says, either this guy is like the biggest lunatic there's ever been in the history of the world, the greatest liar there's ever been, or he is who he says he is. He's Lord. And as Lewis went on to conclude, he in no way not in the smallest way, does he in any way, you know, speak or act like a lunatic or a liar. And the only reasonable conclusion is he is who he says he is, as he certainly is. He's God, right? And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. For him to look at himself and say, whoever believes in me will never die. That's quite a bold statement, isn't it? There it is. So again, when you read these words, we want to let these words sink in. I've been thinking about these words for, I don't know, four or five days now. And they're just, um, 
yeah, they're overwhelming. Thank you, Lord, that we believe this. And let us, like Martha, say, yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. 28. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Scriptures. We thank you for your mercy and your favor and your love and your grace on our lives, Father. Above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us, for living a perfect life for us, for dying a perfect death for us. And we thank you that you are indeed alive and risen today. And we worship you today, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. We ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear. Open the word of God to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, verse 28. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. After she said what? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. I believe you're the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ that all of us need for the forgiveness of our sins. I believe that. Do you believe that? Have you proclaimed your belief in Jesus? Do you actively proclaim your belief in Jesus, right? To believe here, again, doesn't mean to give intellectual assent to the existing the existence of Jesus. It means to believe in Jesus is like if you were to tell somebody, uh, you know, Dad, I believe you can do it. If you're telling someone, Kristen, I believe you can do it. Lauren, I believe you can do it. What am I saying there? I'm not saying I believe they exist. Of course they exist. It's the same with Jesus. Just to believe in Jesus does not mean to believe Jesus existed. It doesn't even mean to believe he died on the cross or rose again. But it means you, you, you're trusting in him. You're relying on him. You have full confidence in him that he has done it. That his life that he gave on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul is sufficient. 100% sufficient. And only him. For the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul and to bring you into relationship with your heavenly father and to ultimately bring you to heaven when you die. So to believe in Jesus, when she says, I believe that you are the Christ, I'm trusting in you. I'm relying on you, Jesus. I'm clinging to you. 
I have my full faith and confidence in you for the forgiveness of my sins and the salvation of my soul. Right? It's been a, there's you know there's a lot of metaphors made. You know, um, you know you've you've heard the one maybe where it says, and I forget where I heard these things years ago. Pastors have been saying them, but you know, it's not my belief that saves me. It's the object of your belief that saves you. Like it's Christ that saves us, right? But we have to put our trust in Christ, right? I can believe the ice can hold me, right? For those of you who have gone out on a on a frozen lake, right? You can believe that that ice will hold you, but number one, if you don't step out onto the ice, all the belief in the world's not going to matter, right? You're going to have to get out onto that ice to see if it can hold you. But if it can't hold my 200 pounds, more like 215, then, you know, you're going to fall through. Because although you had belief in something, the object of your belief wasn't strong enough. Okay? So people just, you know, it's not just any belief in anything. It has to be a trust in, a reliance, a confidence in Jesus Christ alone. Right? The chair I'm sitting in. I can believe it can hold me, right? But unless I put my confidence in this chair, unless I put my trust in this chair, my reliance in this chair and sit down in it, I can believe it all in the world, but until I sit down in it, it can't hold me, right? And it's the same with Jesus. Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on Jesus, right? Words don't save us. You're not saved just by puppeting words. The words is do how, how we communicate our heart to the Lord, right? Have you called out to the Lord knowing and agreeing with the word of God that you're a sinful person, hopeless, helpless and desperate, in need of a savior, and there was nothing you can do. You know there is nothing you can do to save yourself or help save yourself. You're desperate. And out of that place of desperation, you humble yourself before Jesus and you call out to him, Lord Jesus, I confess and I know and I believe that I am a sinful person and I have done wrong and do do wrong. Lord Jesus, I believe I'm hopeless and helpless and desperate without you. But I believe you are the son of God, the Christ who is to come into the world. And I believe you came and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And I believe you are alive and risen today, Lord Jesus. And therefore, I call on you now, Lord. And I ask you to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. Now, again, it's not the words, right? Use the words, but it's, it's the sincerity and genuineness of our heart, the humility of our heart, calling on Jesus, knowing your need of him. Okay? So after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. This is an interesting way she, she, she speaks to Mary as the teacher, when I was studying for this, the scholars had revealed, and we knew this, but, but Jewish rabbis would never teach a woman in Jesus's day. You know, the, the big, you know, 
the big religious leaders, right? The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, they would never teach a woman. But yet Jesus actively taught men and women, whoever would hear him. So when they call him, when she calls him the teacher, capital T-E-A-C-H-E-R, the teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. They were taught by Jesus. Jesus did teach women and men alike. And uh, again, that's that's certainly an example to us. <clears throat> you know, we don't we don't compartmentalize who we teach, right? Galatians three twenty eight says that in Christ there is no male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free, but all are one in Christ Jesus. Okay. Um, and so Jesus did more for the cause of, of raising up women to be equal with men, you know, in, in their status as human beings than anyone in history. Jesus has done more for every issue in every way, whether it be with gender, whether it be with race, whatever it is. Jesus is the solution to it all, and Jesus is the fix. Without Jesus, we can't fix anything, okay? Jesus is the, 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 the only root for all dysfunction, all sin, all evil, right? All inequality, right? Any, you know, any evil in the world, racism is evil, it's sin. And the only way to have it fixed is in Jesus, right? Um, thinking that a man is better than a woman just because he's a man is evil. It's sin. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ignorance. The only solution is Jesus. Okay. Um, now again, men and women do play different roles, right? Um, and so we, we want to have what's called a biblical worldview in all these things. Not more than less, not more or less than what the Bible teaches, okay? And again, Jesus did more to empower the cause for women and obviously continues to than anyone in history times infinite, right? The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. Who is your teacher, by the way? Jesus Christ ought to be your teacher. Men and women alike, we ought to proclaim what Martha complained. And, you know, it is the same today. The teacher, wherever you are, the teacher is here and he's looking for you and he's calling you, right? What's it? Revelation 3.20, I think. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The teacher is here and he's knocking on the door of your heart. And have you, have you opened the door and invited him in? Again, if you're not a Christian today, if you're not sure, that you're trusting and relying on Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. Again, go back, rewind the tape. And we talked about what it means to receive Jesus, how to humble yourself before Christ, agreeing with the word of God that you're sinful and hopeless and that Jesus is your only hope and, and you give your life to him, right? Um, and again, this is a, a daily thing, right? We do need to come to a, this we do have a, a, an experience in life, a one-time experience when we genuinely receive Christ, when we become spiritually alive, when the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives in us and gives us eternal life. And we're, we're one with Jesus Christ. We're part of the body of Christ, right? 
Um, and that is a one-time event when you go from spiritual death to spiritual life. But life with Jesus is a daily thing, right? It's a moment-by-moment, day-by-day relationship. Verse 29, when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. And again, you know, these two sisters, Mary and Martha and what's written about them and their love for Christ and his love for them ought to be a picture for every one of us, May, right? When Mary heard this, she got up quickly. You see a, a reverence in Mary. Jesus had told Mary to Martha to, you know, where is your sister? Obviously, Mary is home grieving with all the mourners. Jesus said, I, you know, you can lay that aside. I want you to come to me. Ultimately, Jesus is the answer to all of our grief, all of our sorrow. He's the answer to everything, right? John 14, 6. I am the way, Jesus said. The way to everything. I am the truth. There's no truth without Jesus. And I am the life. There's no life without Jesus. No one. It's not ambiguous. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right, David? His own words. It's Jesus or hell. Now, again, I say it all the time. I know that sounds harsh. I know it sounds intolerant. They're his own words. So the most loving thing we can do is stress this to, to any individual who will listen to us. It's, it's not intolerant. It's the most loving thing we can do. If we believe the Bible, the word of God, if we believe Jesus, if we believe the words out of his own mouth, that, that he is the only way and that anyone will perish without him, and spend eternity separated from the triune God in hell, then the most loving thing we can do is lovingly share with people in any way we can to drive them to the cross of Jesus Christ, to the, to the foot of the cross, that they might humble themselves and receive Christ and his mercy, even as we have by his mercy. All right? So no, it's not intolerant. It's the most loving thing we can do. Right now, someone will say, yeah, but they don't believe that. Oh, yeah, I, I understand they don't believe that, but it doesn't change the fact that if they don't believe that the Bible says they will spend eternity separated from God in hell. So that's why we continue to persist is we, you know, I understand they've rejected Jesus. I understand that they don't, they don't believe in Jesus. They don't want to, but to love them enough to continue to try to persuade people to Christ. There's no greater love in the world. It's really the opposite of how the world views it. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to Jesus. That's what we ought to do every morning. When we open our eyes, we ought to go to Jesus. When we come to consciousness, we ought to go quickly to Jesus. We ought to begin the day and end the day going to Jesus. We ought to have this, you know, when we study the word of God, the entire Bible, right? And when we're in the New Testament, the words in red are the actual words of Jesus, the son of God, God, the son, God, right? We ought, we ought to be quick to get up and obey. When Jesus is calling you and he's calling again, every one of us every day, first to salvation and then to devotion and a lifestyle to him. Again, there's nothing we do that saves us, but the result, right? Ephesians 2, right? 10, 8 and 9 say it's by grace we've been saved through faith. 
the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But then in verse 10, it says, for we are God's workmanship, Ephesians 2.10, created in Christ Jesus, saved, to do good works. So again, you're not saved by any work that you do, but you're saved for the purpose of doing good works, right? Lord, help us to get up quickly and run to you, Lord. Lord, help us even in our deepest grief to run to you, Lord. Help us to have this heart in Mary, Lord. And Lord, I pray you would call us out of our grief, Lord. Call us from your grief that we might be with you and experience you, Lord. Especially in our times of greatest grief, Lord, but all times. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, verse 30, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. So Martha meets Jesus. You remember when Martha, again, when Martha met him, she said in verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here. And again, Martha is disappointed. And she's willing to share that. When you have hurts and pains in your life, when you have difficulties, share them with Jesus. Give them to Jesus. Be a Martha. Be a Mary. Share your heart with him. He can handle it. Share your disappointments, your angers, your frustrations, whatever they are, right? With different people. You know, just be... be be willing to be a, be a Martha. Jesus can handle it. Be willing to be a Mary. We're going to see Mary's going to say the same thing. We're going to contrast the difference between their two statements. Martha says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 22. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And in this statement, Martha is saying to him, you know, you know, my brother Jesse made a great point on this, even now, you know, and Whatever the hardships you've been through, whatever the difficulties you've been through, whatever the hardest, darkest times of your life have been, the even now of Jesus. And again, my, I, you know, my brother Jesse articulated this so incredibly. Um, and, you know, he had a, you know, he just had a, a, a family member pass away. And uh, we were studying this chapter and he just, uh, I mean, man, it was just incredible observation in ministry with the even now. We want to have this heart of Martha that says, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. If you'll go to Jesus as Martha did and as Mary did, even now Jesus will bring life out of death. You can't, you can't come into resurrection life unless you die first, right? And that's a metaphor for us dying to ourselves that we might walk in the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. So whatever difficulty you're having, whatever struggle you're having, even now, Jesus will bring life to it. Even now, you have the opportunity to draw closer to Jesus, right? Even now, right? With all the bad that's happened, the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ will be on you and you'll grow closer and he'll bring good out of this situation. Right. Remember, Romans 8, 28 said that God works all things for the good of those who love him. Right. Um, so, again, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he's certainly going to work all things for your good. But the more you love him, the more you actively love and walk with Jesus, the more you'll experience this good, this even now in your life. Right, Jess? Good job, man. 
Golly. Now, Mary doesn't say this, um, but I know that even now God will give you. But she, she repeats almost, she repeats word for word. Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Um, and it's going to say in verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And again, you see in Mary this, uh, the same thing. She's just, she's disappointed. She's sad. She falls at his feet, and that's where we belong, right? We belong at the feet of Jesus. Hmm. Verse 30, now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, 31, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her. Supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. Do you quickly, Jason, get up? Because if you'll quickly get up and obey Jesus and follow Jesus like Mary does, you may have some people follow you as well. Follow you to Jesus. See what she did? She, she, she led the whole house to Jesus, right? I mean, if, if we'll be quick, to go to Jesus, you, you may not know who follows. She didn't even tell him to follow, right? When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, right? So because she's not asking Bunny anything, all she knows is Jesus called for me, and I'm going to go to Jesus quickly, and I'll say again, he's calling you today. If you've never given your life to him, he's called you to give your life to him and trust him as your only Lord and Savior. And if you have done that, he's calling you into deeper devotion, into deeper resurrection life, into deeper eternal life. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her. Suppose she was going to the tomb to mourn there. Unwittingly, they're following her to Jesus. And I'll say again, the more we obey the word of God, the more we walk and obey the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the more we quickly repent when we make mistakes. We do make mistakes. We do fail. We do have sin. But, but there ought to be an immediate growing repentance, right? A conviction. And out of that conviction, that grief, we repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. I failed. Hmm. Do you have this lifestyle of going quickly to Jesus to obey him when you get a revelation from him, when you get a revelation in the word of God? Lord Jesus, I ask you to help us. Holy Spirit, I ask you to lead us to run quickly to Jesus more and more every moment of every day of our lives, Lord. And I do pray, Lord, that you would give others eyes to see us running to Jesus every day in every situation of our lives, whether it's good or bad or neither, Lord. It's just normal. I pray that we would have this, this, this getting up quickly and going out quickly to meet with you, Jesus. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Hmm. 
She's willing to share her heart, her grief, her hurt, and her pain with Jesus. Again, like her sister, she has no concept. She doesn't know who she's really dealing with. She believes Jesus is the Christ. She believes he's the son of God. She's saved. She's going to heaven. And like most of us today, y'all, most of us, we really don't know in the church who we're dealing with because she believed that Jesus could heal a sick man. She believed she had seen and heard Jesus heal sick people, right? But she believed that, that Jesus had no power over death. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You could have healed him, but it's too late now. Nothing you can do, Jesus. And we all can see that, right? We all have hope when someone is sick that they can get better and they do. But once they've died, you know, that's it. And, you know, like Mary and Martha, I mean, you know, we don't ever see people raised from the dead after they're dead. But that's because Jesus chooses not to do it. Jesus has the power over death as easily as he has the power over any sickness or disease or over anything else. Remember Colossians 1, what, 15 to 17? It says Jesus created the universe, right? He created the universe, earth, sun, moon, planets, galaxies, billions, stars. And... So again, 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. When I was studying this, the, the scholars had pointed out the different types of weeping. That the, the weeping that Mary's doing and the Jews who had come with Mary is like a wailing of crying. It's a, a heaving of crying. And then the shortest verse in the Bible in 35, where it says Jesus wept, right? Two words, Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. 35. This word is a different word that doesn't mean wailing. It means a, an inner grief. It means a, uh, just the solemn hurt and pain. It's a different word. You know, it's not out of control weeping, right? Which we can all recognize where we're just crying, right? Leah, just losing it, Uncle Dennis, right? And, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're just out of control, right? Um, that's not what Jesus was. That's what Mary is. That's what all the mourners are, right? They're overcome with grief. Jesus is never overcome. He's grieved. Again, when it says Jesus wept, it's, it would have been a quiet, solemn, controlled emotion. And there's so much to see in there that Jesus wept. He is fully God, but he gets it. He understands our grief. You know, now, but we do want to ask ourselves, why is he weeping in trouble? Okay. He's not weeping like they are. They're all weeping and wailing because Lazarus is dead and they have no hope. He's going to raise them here in the next five minutes. 
So that's not why Jesus has this. When it says he was moved in spirit and troubled, it was this means in a that he was basically troubled. He was angry. He was angry at death. <laughs> yeah. And no one ever had been able to be angry at death and push back death and destroy death. Death was the was the final say over every man and woman. But you got to know who you're dealing with now. Do you see who you're dealing with, Auntie Jackie? Do you see it, Esther? When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He replied, come and see, Lord, they replied. Where have you laid him? He asked, come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus was deeply moved. He's not moved that Lazarus is dead, obviously. He's angry. That death, as he looks back into eternity past or whatever he's thinking, right? Jesus is angry at the massive hurt and pain caused by death. He's angry to see his people so hurt by death. And he's also angry because they don't know who they're dealing with. They don't know that the... the the man standing before him isn't just a man. He's fully man, but he is God. And he gets angry. And they don't know it. They don't believe it. Remember Mary says, if you had been here, same thing Martha said, my brother wouldn't have died. You could have saved him, but now it's too late. Dead four days. Where have you laid him, he asked. <clears throat> Come and see, they replied. <clears throat> 35, Jesus wept. <clears throat> Jesus, is, Jesus is sad because they're sad. Jesus is sad because they're so overcome with grief. Jesus is fully God, but yet he's fully man. He does understand human emotion. And he does, <clears throat> he's not some distant, unemotional, emotionless God. When you're hurting, he's aware of it. And he knows it. So we see here a quiet weeping in Jesus. So Jesus wept. Again, a quiet, controlled hurt and emotion. Again, it is a totally different thing than what Mary's doing and the Jews are doing that are weeping loudly and emotionally, right? They've been overcome with their grief. He's never overcome. His is a composed sound. Again, I did not know this. I was studying this and the scholars had pointed out to me the difference between the two words. Um, and, it, and, 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 it, and it's a picture for us that Jesus does understand and he does get it. And he's now angry. <laughs> and we're going to see that who we're dealing with here doesn't have power simply over sickness and disease. He's everything. <clears throat> yes, he commands 
death and pushes back death. And if you're in Jesus Christ today, you will never die. Your, your body will die and you'll go from this life to the next life. But you will never taste death. Your last breath in this life, you'll be ushered into the presence of the triune God in heaven. Where have you laid him? He asked, come and see, Lord, they replied. <clears throat> Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how we loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? So you see this picture of the disappointment in Jesus. Mary's clearly disappointed, right? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she's willing to share her hurt and pain, and we can as well. Martha, the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But Martha in faith says, but even now I know you'll bring life out of this. Even now I know you can be a blessing. And Martha has no concept that Jesus could raise him from the dead, right? Jesus is going to say here, take away the stone. And Martha's going to say, it, it stinks. He's been dead four days. That's verse 38, 39. If you want to take a look, we're going to get into that next time. And yeah. But there's this, this idea. Could not, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Well, of course he could. But Jesus intentionally allowed him to die in his sovereignty knowing that he was going to raise him from the dead and the the incredible faith and belief that's going to cause in those who see it and the stir that this is going to cause all over the world and that we have it right here in our Bible. Well, Lord Jesus, we do worship you today and we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for the word of God, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, just that we have your life and words recorded, Lord. Jesus, we worship you, our Lord, our God, our master, our king, our savior. We worship you. We love you. We bless you. We honor you. We praise you. We give our lives to you, Jesus. You are our all in all, our alpha and our omega, our beginning and the end. You are our resurrection and you are our life, Lord. You are the truth and the way. Lord, you're our beginning and our end. We humble ourselves before you. We love you. We bless you. We praise you and we worship you. Father, we thank you for your love and mercy in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you to go ahead of us now. Seal this message to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.